You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Amen and amen. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, as we go to the last bit, um, I want to very quickly, it's going to be Q&A. Amen. I've got lots of questions I'm going to ask. So I want to welcome, on, I'm going to welcome on stage our one and only, the resident pastors, Pastor Tammy and Pastor Abisei, um, on second. Let's, let's celebrate them. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And on, on that point, I will, um, I will ask Pastor Tammy to do me the honors. Glory be to God. All right. It's my privilege and my honor to, to welcome again the, the relationship guru and expert. Let's put our hands together to Pastor Okonkwo, Pastor and Mrs. Mildred Okonkwo. Let's put our hands together as they go on stage for Q&A. And because I have the mic, I will start the Q&A. Do I go ahead for Q&A? <laughs> All right. So. I want to ask, now, let me put a disclaimer on this. So I'm not asking this because, um, because that, not that I have a problem with my wife, not at all, no. But I'm asking this just on behalf of all the men under the sound of my voice, okay? So we had a wonderful session upstairs, and uh, Pastor uh, Mildred, do you, you, I mean, but let's put our hands together, the man, she, she did an incredible job. Mm, it was absolutely wonderful. You said something about um, the, we being able as men to listen to our wives. I don't know how many of you are here. You know, I don't have a problem listening to my wife. Um, maybe we can solve this perhaps, both um, Pastor and Pastor Mizokonko. I have a problem when I want to watch football. That's when my wife wants to talk to me. And she knows that I want to watch football. You know, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm just painting a, a scenario. So, and often, I, it's, a scenario, it's a scenario I'm painting just the way Jesus is speaking parables. Uh, it's a scenario. And I said, I mean, can't, it's much of the day. You know, I will listen. Or I'm just coming back from work. I'm so tired. I want to eat. And you want to talk to me. Not that I don't want to hear, but... The timing, and it's not uh, all the time. I say, well, manage the timing. So perhaps now that we have um, both Pastor and Mrs. Okunko, maybe they should now let us know and what we will do in such situation. Amen. All right, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, number one, I'll start from the woman's side. If you're a woman like that, try to be more understanding of what your husband likes. Uh, we, we don't have those kind of issues because my wife um, knows I love football. In fact, the last day of the season, um, I'm a Man City fan. And those of you that are following, you know that um, we were 2-0 down in like 70-something minutes you know, of the match. This, and Liverpool was winning on the other side. So it means we were not going to win the league. And she was already rubbing my leg. Do you, do you see how understand? She's not only allowing me to watch the match, she's watching the match with me. And seeing that it's not going my way, she was even petting me, rubbed my leg that, hey, that if, if you people lose this match, Pastor Kwaju and Pastor Nathaniel, Pastor Kwaju is a Liverpool fan, and he has been dragging me. If I, he made me a Liverpool jersey, 
and all that. So we usually banter on social media. She said, if you lose this match, Pastor Pochi will not let you rest. Pastor Natanebasi will not let you rest. You know, she was already petting me. You know, so she's that understanding. And by the time we eventually won the match, hey, she was rejoicing with me. She follows me to Etihad Stadium to watch match. So women generally be more understanding of what your husband likes. Now, to the husband, to speak to you, I suspect your wife needs attention. She's lacking attention. For her to be disturbing when watching a match, uh, women generally speak in coded language. Her attention tank or her emotional tank is empty. If you have been doing a good job of giving her attention before that time, no, no woman will just come and disturb, disturb your match. She's doing it because she has seen something you give full attention to. She's wondering, so you can concentrate on something like this. <laughs> and you don't give me attention. So times like that, call her, hug her, put her in the middle, your middle, hold her from behind. As you're watching the match, tell her to be talking, and you're watching the match. <laughs> All right? What she's asking you for at that time is attention, not really what's going on. So pour enough into her emotional tank and attention tank, and she'll be fine. So that's what I think. Thank you very much, sir. Um, okay, I mean, Pastor Chris, thank you, sir, for getting started like that. I love it. I didn't hear your question, so I'm coming back to you. But Pastor Kingsley and Pastor Mildred, thank you so much. I mean, everyone here, you agree with me, this has been fantastic so far. If you were here yesterday, and today you're here, I'm sure your life is changed already, and it's continued to change. Now, we've had some questions. And we always say when we have an event like this, we say, send in your questions. But Pastor Timmy loved that. He would say, please send in your questions. So for every single person that sends a question in, thank you so much and God bless you. Now, I mean, as I said, Tifash, there's a lot of work to do here. There's a lot of, a lot of questions. Pastor Mildred and Pastor Kingsley, Pastor Timmy, Pastor Abisoye, I'm sure you're ready. Now, I would say we're not going to rush this because what is most important is that we all live here today and get most, if not all, of our answers, questions answered, right? So, and we're going to be very real. Tifash has the very first question to ask. And it's a very, very mm, kind of question. So, please, people, open your minds. And for people in-house, please, please, if you do have questions, just raise your hand so that we can identify you and get you ready um, for when your question will be taken. We'll just make it very quickly so that we can cover as many questions as possible. Thank you. Tifash. So I think uh, my wife must have um, written this. <laughs> Practically sounds like her. Spouse has changed. Basically, what I admired in him is no longer there. Used to be an extrovert. Now an introvert. He doesn't go out. I'm adding my own. He doesn't go out. I beg his friends to come and take him out. It is affecting the vibe in the relationship. He doesn't go out. How should I be going out? Should I? Sweetie, did you write that? That's the question. How do we handle that? Extrovert. I used to be a drummer. I used to, you know, lead praise and worship, but now I just want to study and make money, like you said, and provide for the family, you know, so that when I go, the family is sorted. Am I doing anything wrong? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I think the first thing you have to do is to try to dig deeper to where, where, where he is and how he got there. If he was an extrovert before and he became an introvert, 
I think you should just find out what is going on in his space. What is he dealing with? Is this something that is happening in his space? And sometimes, as men grow older, their focus and attention um, changes. So you have to understand what stage is he in his life. A man that is getting close to his 50 is thinking about legacy. He's no longer thinking about I'm going out and hanging out with the boys, you know. So it's, it's more, um, it can be more pensive. And it doesn't mean that you can't help him even at that stage of life. So you have to find out what is happening and how you can help him. And um, yeah, I think that's the way you should try to handle it. Um, I, let me just quickly add, because I think that Pastor K, when, we're, when we first got married, of course, he was more extroverted. He wanted to go power bike riding, he wanted to do crazy things, he wanted to go bungee jumping, all the crazy, crazy stuff. And we did quite a few things. And I think that at some point, seasons just change. As men get older, they like Pastor Bissou said, they're thinking legacy. So Pasquetsu is now a lot more introverted. It was interesting that even during COVID, sometimes he didn't even come downstairs, not even that he didn't leave the house. So I, I kind of understand that seasons change. You have to also evolve. If your husband has changed, there's a reason. Find other ways to um, ensure that joy remains in your home, even though it's not really him. It's no longer dependent on him. I think now the button has been passed to you. Maybe you can become a bit more extroverted too, to pull. Because the Bible says if one is down, the other pulls him up. So it's your turn. Yeah. I hope you have heard. So it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm coming here because I, I feel I should sit here so I can be closer. And, and I will be the one taking around the microphone. So if you have well, a question. Do you know earlier when you were speaking, you said something about women wanting security. So a man will provide security to a woman. And once that woman has that security, she's fine. What, there's a question here that came in from the floor, actually. In most cases, people find that after a woman has now got the security where she is also maybe making her own money, doing her own thing, you understand? There is now no need for that man. And the woman starts to run in her own direction. What do you say to that? And how can women undo this? Okay, I think the first problem is that most people consider security to be money, which I think that's the first issue. When we say woman needs security, we're not just talking financially, because that's the one she can give herself. She can give herself financial security. There are other forms of security that are important. Let me let Pastor okay. Yeah, so obviously that person thought money was the main thing. In fact, the whole idea of the message is that money is not the main thing. So money is just one of it. And most women nowadays can, can work. They went to school. They have masters. They can provide. So what we're talking about is emotional security. She can't, if the man is providing that, it's not something she can find anywhere. So your wife shouldn't be such in a position where another man is admiring her or complimenting her more than you. You should let her know she's beautiful. She shout out those emotions. She would love to spend time with you. Um, there's spiritual security and other kinds of security. That we've, I talked to the men about that today. So financial is not even, it's just one over seven. So financial is just one. There's six other things that you provide. And those things are not things that you can say she has gone to a stage, she doesn't need them anymore. She always wants those things. Yeah. I also think that the, the reason a woman would get to that point where she feels I don't need him anymore is actually 
um, evidence that he's not providing those other securities. If he's providing all those securities, she can't conclude that I don't need him, you know, because those other securities are the ones that she can't provide for herself. Okay, so whoever had that question, I hope your question has been answered. Um, very quickly go on to the floor. I know we've had a couple of questions come through. Uh, Brother Ola, please, do you want to read first question from the person we wrote? So apparently some people would prefer to write it down as opposed to asking in person. Yeah, please go ahead. So first question is from a lady at the back called Josephine. In relation to... <laughs> now we have identified you. <laughs> You are better off asking the question yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. In relation to marriage, what is the difference between obedience and submission? I actually answered that question while I was speaking to the ladies. Um, if, and I gave the example of you want to buy yourself a car and you go to your husband and you say to him, I want to buy a Range Rover Sports. And he says, sweetheart, no, I don't think you should right now and you can afford to buy it, but you decide not to buy it anyway. You just submit to him. As opposed to you come to your husband and say, I want to buy a car, I need you to give me the money. He says, I don't have money to give you, go and sit down. And you go and sit down. It's not because you can, it's because you can't. That's not submission. Submission is that you have the power, but you willingly lay it down as opposed to not having a choice. Sometimes, a lot of times in obedience and submission, that's the difference because both require you laying down something. One is out of compulsion, the, one is, the other one is being given. So submission is that I'm willingly giving it, even though I can, but I won't. Obedience is that most times is that I don't have a choice. So that's the, that's the only thing that can differentiate the two because they look very closely, they look alike. Thank you very much, Matt. Another question here from the people that sent in um, earlier. It says, what should a Christian couple do if they are incompatible health-wise, which is preventing them from conceiving? So what should they do? Dr. Pastor. That's a deep, deep question, and um, you'd want to interrogate what they really mean by incompatibility health-wise. Um, you count the cost before you enter into uh, matrimony like we, we've taught severally. So, um, but we are believers and we live by faith and we believe we live in, the, in a God that performs miracles. Before marriage, you get to make that decision and that choice. Um, and you should have sought God's face, you should have conviction and all of that before you say, okay, this is the person I'm getting married to. And there are certain scenarios where you might see that that person is actually already dealing with a health, a health issue, yeah? Um, but our God is the healer. With your eyes wide open, with knowledge and with faith, with conviction, you can still enter in and you are gonna have your miracle at the end of the day. But you can also have a scenario where you got married, where there were no health, health issues prior to marriage, then it's in marriage that health issues arose. I know we like the modern vows. We don't like um, in sickness and in health and all of that anymore. We've changed it it's in health and in health. And all. Yeah, yeah, I understand where people are coming from with all of that, but life happens and we are believers. So when these challenges occur, it's not 
um, reason to say, okay, marriage over. It is reason to step up our faith and believe God and get our miracles at the end of the day. So um, when we're talking about compatibility, really, it's more a discussion prior to marriage. When we are in marriage, the two have become work, one. We, the, we work our compatibility. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. I, I mean, you've heard from the doctor pastor now, so Tifash, over um, to you. So I think we're struggling with something, and let me just, um, I think this is getting a bit too formal. Pastor Temi wants me to take this, but I have to go MC somewhere, and he doesn't like formality for things like this, or else people are going to bottle it up and then go and explode at home. What we're going to do, I'm going to, we're going to go very high now, because um, a few people have asked me questions, um, there are questions here about sex and pornography, and um, oral sex and things like that. So I'll join all of that together. But I think what we need to do, because um, some people need to ask questions about finances. Um, so I think what we need to do is, we'll just say we want to talk about finances, people that have problems about finances, or questions about finances, they talk about that, and um, um, submission, you know, we just pick some topics and we have, you know, I think, Pastor Temi? Yeah. Um, so, about three questions here. Um, pornography as a married per, um, as a as a couple is it okay for couples and that's one of the questions is it okay for couples to watch it together if, if that's their thing um, number two somebody said that my husband is addicted to thank God I'm not married to a man my husband is married to um, sorry addicted to pornography and is it a grounds for me for her to leave him and the third one, um, a lady wrote um, that, I want oral sex, my husband doesn't get it. I don't climax without it. Should we forget about it? That's a joke, by the way. As in, how do we treat that? Anybody have a question about sex? We're bold enough to talk about I dare you. I dare, I'm gonna come to you now. No, I think we'll just take that. All right, um, definitely um, pornography should be a no-no for a believer. Um, whether you're married or not, it is, it is sin, it is lust, and um, it is perverse. And you're perverting what God um, created for good. So pornography is, is wrong in all you know, ways you want to look at it as a Christian, as a believer. So even for the married, the same thing applies. Um, I don't advise, because of things like this, we started a whole ministry for sex, called Wholesome Sexuality because we discovered that a lot of churches were not really addressing issues regarding sex. Um, you can't watch pornography. It is building something real like marriage on falsehood. Those guys are actors. They are not real. Most of those guys are on drugs. They are cameramen there. Most of those things are done short over a series of days. It's not even one day that they had sex or one hour. They are going and coming and continuing. So... It's not real at all. You can't build a real relationship on something so fake. And then, watching together with your spouse, you need to understand that men and women are different. The way a man photographs sex, is even how a woman does it. In the mind of a woman, she's thinking, oh, it will make us closer. But no, the man is going to drift away more because that image of sex is what he will have. It will get to a stage he will no longer get aroused with you. You need to understand. He needs to see those images to be aroused. After a while, he will eventually be moving towards that image and less of you. The principle about sex in marriage is that anything that is making us drift apart is wrong. If the act 
or the item is making us not to focus on each other and focus on a third party or a third thing is a no-no. So um, pornography is wrong in every shape or form. Now, if the man is addicted to it and the woman is not in the second question, um, it's not a ground for divorce. However, um, you guys should have a serious talk about it. He should know that he's wrong and he should try and get help with it. All right. If he's not willing to get help, you might need to wait and pray it out and be patient with him. All right. So I won't advise you to just jump from there to divorce. All right. Work with him on it. Um, it's even that you know. What if he's hiding it? You know. So don't, don't, don't. You know. I train women. Be very careful of how you react when a man shows you an aspect of himself. All right. I have a video on YouTube titled um, "Why Your Husband Is Not Talking to You" or "Why Your Man Is Not Talking to You." So I try to coach women. Don't, don't overreact. Let him know this is important and all that. Be, but be patient. All right, with him as he seeks help to and pray and do other things you need to do. Um, the third question was um, oral sex. Um, she wants it and he doesn't want. Um, uh, I, I don't think oral sex is bad. I don't think oral sex is bad. Um, I usually avoid oral sex questions in church, but this pastor Tim is my friend, so I can't talk. Normally, in churches where I go to speak, I don't talk about oral sex. The last place I spoke about oral sex, they didn't invite me again <laughs> to the church. So since that time, when they ask oral sex, I say, ask your pastor, he's here, let him talk. I don't answer because I don't know what the pastor has been saying. Because the place I went to preach was a married couple's event in a hotel and everything, and the pastor has been telling them oral sex is bad. I didn't know. So they now asked me. So one of them knew that, you know, he sent the question. Because you know the pastor has been saying all this, but he set me up. And me, I just open my mouth and pour out everything I know. Yeah. They've not invited me since nine, it's about 15 or 20 years. They've not invited me. So since that time, I don't say anything about oral sex. But oral sex is clearly biblical. It's throughout, it's, it's in scripture. And um, you've seen Socks of Solomon and all that. And um, what is oral sex? Oral sex is any sexual activity that involves your mouth. So kissing is technically part of oral sex. You know, any sexual activity involves your mouth. If, can you kiss your wife's neck? If you can kiss your wife's neck, can you kiss her back? You can kiss her back. Can you kiss her breast? You can kiss her breast. You're already in oral sex, my brother. You're already in oral sex. So um, it's, it's a mental... <laughs> yeah, oral sex. So um, it's definitely a mental barrier. So you need to find out, was there something that happened in your past or something you watched that's making you feel oral sex is irritating? So can we work with you? Can you? Are you willing to give it a try? Are you willing to you know, look for ways to satisfy? The way a woman's body is wired, penetration usually will not get a woman to orgasm. Because a man's penetrative sex, a man can be done in minutes. A woman is not wired like that at all. And a woman's body, the way it's wired, her, okay, I believe everybody says above it. The way a woman's body is wired, um, her, her clitoris is, the only purpose of her clitoris is sexual arousal. That's the only work he's doing. He has no other work. You know, so she needs it to be stimulated. And usually your penetrative sex will not stimulate that part of her body, at least enough for her to climax. So if you really want your wife to be happy, there has to be ways you stimulate her in that part. Some people do it um, by hand, but the best to still do it is by oral sex. So uh, by the authority invested in me. Yes. <laughs> as a relationship coach and a pastor, I command your husband, carry out your oral sex this is All right, pastor. <laughs> Well, I, I absolutely 100% um, concur with you. Um, we'll just say a few, a few things. Um, I was in a premarital class just last week or the week before, and we were talking about sex. And the question of pornography came up. And I said, of course, it's a no-no. 
The purpose of pornography is arousal and addiction. Because the person was trying to compare um, pornography and sexual education. And I said, no, no, no. Um, sexual, wholesome sexual education is, is totally different from pornography. The, the, the purpose of wholesome sexual education is education. While pornography is for arousal and ultimately an addiction and is a, an illegal pathway to a high that's meant to be got, gotten through a, different, a, a, a proper pathway. And the funny thing about the high, what's the high? Orgasm. With orgasm, there is a release of um, substances in your body, which substances are naturally addictive. So in the context of marriage, the orgasm between a husband and a wife actually binds them together, makes them addicted to one another. That's why we humorously we tell couples that when you are doing this thing, it doesn't always have to be pitch dark. Let there be light so that you can see who is responsible for this high you are, so that the bonding can be complete. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, so, so pornography, no, no. Sexual education, wholesome sexual education is a great need amongst Christians today. Our willingness to have conversations about it and talk about it is becoming paramount because too much of the church is not talking about it. So the world is get, the church is getting its education from the world and from pornography. Wrong place. Wrong place. So it's time for us to be able to talk about it in, the, in church. And I'm so happy that um, um, their, their, their son in the gospel, brother, and his wonderful wife, who's also a daughter in the gospel, also a son and daughter in the gospel to um, Pastor Kingsley and Mildred, um, Olamide and Aisha Craig are in the house. Where are you? Where are you? Can you rise up? Can you rise up? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful couple right there. They just released a book, um, and it's all about um, wholesome sex in marriage. Very, very educative. The book is outside in the, in the, in the foyer, um, so I encourage you to get it. Um, and you get, you get knowledge that you need. You'll be surprised how many believers are bereft of knowledge, don't even know what to do. And how many Christian wives um, spend the, the larger part, part of their Christian maritals, uh, marital life without fulfillment sexually. When, when other ladies are talking about orgasm, they're wondering, what, what's that about? They, I, I'm not sure I've ever had that experience. That devil is a liar. <laughs> you know. Oral sex, I don't have any problem with it. I think my wife has a, a word to say. I'm going, I'm going to come from another angle. And I would like to ask the question, why? Just like Pastor Kinsley said, why doesn't he want it? This is usually very hard to discuss, but hygiene is key. Hygiene is key. Hygiene is key. You want me to put my mouth everywhere, but even before my mouth get there, my nose is telling me that place we are going to is not the place to be. <laughs> so if you want the man to put his mouth everywhere, please make sure that you keep it clean. You know, don't leave it bushy, untendered, you know, that he has to maneuver to know where he's going, 
make sure that it is clean. And the same for the man. You want her to put her mouth there, make sure it's clean. Have a clean bath. You can't have sweaty body and you're asking me to, I will throw up. <laughs> so let's just maintain that. And it comes with simple things like even brushing your teeth, going to the dentist, making sure that you have hygienists clean your teeth or your mouth regularly. Some man said, oh, my, help, my wife doesn't like a kissing. But when I spoke to the wife, the wife was like, he's always smelling. And I find it very difficult to broach that conversation with him. And I don't want to bruise his ego. You know? And it's not as if he doesn't even brush. Because she lives with him, he brushes. But to get him to even go to the dentist was very hard. You know? So please, if you want oral sex, make sure everywhere is clean. Make sure you perfume yourself. Just like the, the song of Solomon described the thing. There's perfume, there's roses, there's just everything. Make sure that it's nice to, to the nose and to the mouth to taste. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. Pastor, I'll be saying thank you so very much. I'm sure for the ladies, you've heard this already because Pastor Mildred said it earlier when she was talking about how you look after yourself. You know, I just imagine the days you'll be in, the, in your bathroom, well-scented, you know, with the lights very dark. You're cleaning yourself. That's you getting yourself ready. Bible says you shall know the truth, right? And it will set you free. I hope you're getting the truth this afternoon. Um, thank Bibi, you so very Bibi. much. Sorry, before we go forward, Let's stay on this subject for a second. Oh, Lord. Okay. Pastor Timmy asked me to do this because he knows I'm a troublemaker and I fear nobody except God. So, Pastor Abby, not, not that Pastor Abby was talking about Pastor Timmy in any way, by the way. She's just postulating. If somebody has bush there, can you not groom them? Say, baby, I want to groom you today. Is that allowed? Yes, it is allowed. And it is part of the responsibilities that you take. Mm. For example, I'm not saying condemn him if he has bush. Take him to the bathroom. Take a bath together. And do the grooming. Leave that place how you want it. It's your, it's your space. Make it how you want it. And the same for the lady. So don't condemn. Just do that in love. Be practical. I, I'm not sure maybe you'll be able to handle sex questions. So I have to handle it before I go. <laughs> Pastor K and M. Pastor M is looking at me. Who is this guy? <laughs> Incidentally, we are wearing the same, you know, we support picture together, you know. But you guys need to get this. This is fantastic. As in, they're wearing the t-shirt and wearing the face cap and Peter has gone, um, but you need to get it. Um, two questions. Pastor Timmy, is that for me to pipe it? Pastor Timmy, I believe that we talk about these things a lot in church. People who come to church, they won't be staying online and be watching. <laughs> Not that I have a problem with you watching online. <laughs> I do. Um, what are your thoughts on sex toys? I find us. Sex toys. Can I quickly say this though? We go into arguments and sometimes like in sex toys, like ah, all of me is toy. <laughs> of me is to ask him, you want to, now I'm an Ijebu person, you want to go and spend money, lose money when you have a toy in front of you, call me your toy, but, and now I'm going to stop talking, um, so that's first question, second question, 
which is forming from my mind is, if you're not going to watch pornography, because if we are cuckoo, not going to watch pornography, can we do sex tapes for our own self? Is a question. Do not shoot the Amonde. They told me to ask the question, even though it came from inside of me. So. All right. Um, I will start with the sex tape issue. Um, I know there are many people that will be like, hey, I can never do whatever. The, the principle is that um, really it's not for us to be an official in your bedroom. That's the honest truth. Um, even God himself, there are a lot of things he left unanswered, not because he didn't have an opinion, but hey, he was trying to say, explore, enjoy yourselves. All right? Sex is a gift that God gave mankind. I'm sure there are other ways he could have produced children if he wanted, but he gave us that gift of sex. So, um, don't be too restricted in your mind. However, um, challenges with things like sex tape is that those things usually can leak. You know, you can't really ensure it's going to be between the two of you. So many people are a bit reluctant. I'm not a big fan too because it, it does leak most times. Now, but if both of you want to do sex tape, both of you agree, who am I to be the one officiating whether you should video yourself? Really, it's not my place. That's the truth to tell you that you can't video yourselves. All right. Um, there are couples always ask that, that, oh, we are in two different cities. Can we do a video call, sexting, and all that? I said, the truth is that you can. Challenge with that, again, is that if you're not going to see yourself soon, you're getting sexually aroused, and there's no release for it. You know, those are the things there. But officially, we can't really tell you, don't video your kissing. Although it's not our place to tell you. It's just you have to consider a lot of factors, like the safety of those tapes. Somebody can um, repair your phone one day and see it. Somebody can hack your phone. Your children can play on your phone and see. So those are the challenges. Now, in terms of sex toys, um, the principle again is that whatever, it, this thing, is it making us closer or is there a third party that is taking some attention? That's one. Secondly, is it bringing shame or guilt to your partner? Is it also medically safe? All right, those are the things we consider. So again, I'm not a big fan of sex toys. However, I've, some people have claimed that there are certain toys that might be okay or workable. Me personally, I'm not um, a big fan. I don't like anything that is taking attention from the both people. Because the issue about sex toys is that the day your partner is not there, usually you can still have sex with your sex toy. Usually. All right, so I'm not a big fan. But I can't categorically say it's a never. But Dr. Pastor <laughs> Demi can take it from that point. <laughs> uh, Pastor K. <laughs> All right, um, I, I absolutely agree with what Pastor Kay has already said. The scripture says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Mm -hmm. And when you go into the real interpretation of that scripture, it's basically saying between the husband and the wife, they are free to explore. And God created sex for enjoyment, not just for procreation. If it was just for procreation, there were possibly more efficient ways to, um, <laughs> to procreate without having yeah. to have the pleasure attached to it. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is not even a good idea. It's a God idea. And we've got to learn how to now do it the God way and enjoy it for what it's meant to be. Um, so um, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful, um, wonderful thing. It's, a, it's a kind of new to me, the whole issue of recording. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, it's, it's too risky. <laughs> it's just too risky. Um, um, and there are people that have been super burnt by recording and then it's getting leaked somehow. 
and even now affecting their relationship in between one another. But if you decide to do so, it, it, we can't say it's a no-no, okay? Sex toys. Um, just like Pastor Kay has already said, things to consider. Is it safe? Is it healthy? Um, is it demeaning? Now, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm not really opposed to sex toys because you can use oil. Is that considered, considered to be a sex toy? And you see, she's saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so f f for me, there are natural things that you could actually use as a toy or use to enhance, that there's not a, not a big deal there. But you start to find out that a whole lot of the sex toy arena could easily enter into the sado, um, um, what's the other word, um, matriosist world, which has to do now with domination and subjugations and pain and all of that, which is totally not God's design. God didn't create us to dominate one another, so why should this sexual bed, the marital bed, become a place where somebody is inflicting pain on somebody uh, or the other way around. It's, it's, not, it's not right. It's not wrong. So it's not right, rather. It's wrong. So if sex toys are going into that realm, for me, that's a no-no. If it's just to enhance what already exists, exists between you in the covenant relationship, oh, well, I'm good. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's what I would have to say about it. Thank you very much, Pastor Timmy. I think I'm sure everyone here would agree with me. This would be very great in a retreat um, kind of environment. You know, imagine us being with Pastor K and Pastor M for the whole weekend. Like, you don't have to go home today. You're, we'll just keep them with us. It would be really great, don't you think so? Pastor Timmy, can you please make this happen for us, please? Okay, so um, I'll move on to the next question here. Pastor K, earlier on you were speaking to the ladies and you were talking about the seven things that men need. Although you still owe us one because you only give us six. Uh, I wouldn't forget that. I gave the men six too. I didn't, tell them, I didn't so, finish telling them down. Oh, wow. Okay, so one of the questions here is, um, you said that one of the, the things that men need or that a woman needs to be to a man is to be an assistant, right? And there's a question here that says, is it right for couples to be sharing bills equally? To me, equally isn't assistance, right? Because I give 50%, you give 50%. So we're doing the same thing. But you said a woman should be an assistant, right? And so question says, is it right for couples to be sharing bills equally? We're in the UK. So, All right. yes, sir. All right. Um, yeah. Being in the UK doesn't, doesn't change scripture, you know. So, um, in the first place, the whole principles of God's word is given also in the assumption that you are a believer, you know, you are submitted to God, and all those things. These principles of scripture usually won't sit well with an unbeliever. Won't sit well with somebody that is not submitted to God. Doesn't make sense, you know, to them. So, um, giving 50-50, we don't, we don't support each other in the marriage by law. We do it by love, not by law. When you are, when you are trying to do 50, 50, 40, 50, you are, you are trying to bring law into it. Yeah. And that's no more love. That's a transaction. That's not affection. When it's love, when you're really in love with somebody, you can't put a marker on how much I'm helping you. I'm helping you as much as you need the help. And usually it will be 50, 50. 
It never will be. Some people will need 90% help at some point. Some will need 100% help at some time. And it changes with time. It changes different areas. I might need your 100% help financially. You might need my 50% help spiritually. We'll keep changing like that. So in a marriage, we are one. So we're not really measuring what we have. It's everything we even own belongs to us. So the premise of the question is already wrong. They have to understand covenant that both of them are one. In that case, you're not really assisting him. He's saying, we are one. He's, it's my money. It's our money. So it's not really assistance in that sense. All right. When I was talking about assistance, it can be things like domestic or other stuff, but not really that. The concept of covenant marriage is that the two of you are now one person. All right? And you can't be saying, measuring the percentage of assistance. So if, if there's the need for one to buy a, a house and it's 100,000 pounds, and the man can raise 60,000 pounds, and you want to give half. So you still give your half, and there will be money remaining, and we'll be owing. It's still us owing. If he dies, you are the one that will inherit that, the debt. So it's, it's us. Marriage is two becoming one. So forget about 50-50. It's 100-100. We give 100-100 in a marriage. I love that. So forget about 50-50. It is 100-100. I love that. Yes. Thank you very much, sir. Before I move on to the next question I have here, I'll just leave it open to the room. If you've got anyone here who would like to take the mic and ask a question before we take any other one. Is there anyone? Yes, we've got a hand up there. Um, they all went up first, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, my question is, Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Explain to us in the book of Ephesians, I guess it's chapter, chapter 5. I want to understand why did Paul liken marriage to Christ and the church? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, it's a, I'm going to um, have PK chime in on this, um, but let's, let's say a little bit about it. Uh, Paul likened the marital union to Christ and the church. And this was in the context of when he also was talking about um, wives submit unto your own husbands, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he's talking about this is a mysterious thing, the, and I speak of the church. So he's talking about those same principles that he talked about, the wife submitting to their own husbands, and then the husband loving the, the, his wife as Christ loved the church, is the same thing that's supposed to happen in the church. The church, the body of Christ, is supposed to be submitted 100% to Christ. And Christ has already done what he's telling the husband to do, actually. He loves the church, and the proof of his love to the church was his willingness to die for the church. Um, so he's just showing you that Christ has already given you this example by his relationship with the church. Now take this into also the marital union. And if you check the word of God quite closely, moving a little bit away from there, you find that, that God's plan A for the world was not the church. God's plan A for the world was the family unit. Was Adam and Eve giving birth to godly seed, raising godly seed, and then ultimately populating the world with godly seed. But because we fell, or Adam fell on our behalf, um, we have what we have. So now Christ comes to restore that, gives us the example of what it's meant to be between him and 
and um, the, the body of Christ and tells us to live it out in our unions again. So we're back to plan A. That it, so the church is really meant to be really speaking into marital relationships, really speaking into the husband and wife um, dynamo and telling them how it's meant to be because that's how we're really going to be able to influence the world at the end of the day. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I think. Yeah, does that help you? <laughs> yes, it's, it's just an analogy. It helps you understand better how um, husband and wife are meant to function by showing you an already functioning relationship between um, Christ and the church. It's an already functioning covenant relationship. The way um, Christ and the church cannot be separated. That's the way marriage cannot be separated. The way Christ and the church, uh, like Pastor said, you know, are cooperating as symbiotic, that, you know, there's smooth love and submission going on. God is just saying, look, this is how your marriage is supposed to be. So it's just an ideal picture. You know, everything about marriage in the covenant, in the Bible is covenant. Maybe I might even talk about that tomorrow if, if, that's, if we have time to do that. You know, everything about marriage is covenant. Most of what we are doing today is not covenant marriage. It's just society marriage and it's um, contract marriage, but the real thing is covenant. In a marriage, you can't separate it. The two have become one. In a marriage, you can't even seek for your own good. That's why the Bible says, seek first God's kingdom. Then God too will seek first whatever you want. Everything will be added. So it's just a pictorial way to see how a marriage is meant to function as, perfect, as perfectly as the way Christ and uh, I remember that Christ is very patient with the church, you know. Uh, so we must learn to be patient with ourselves and we'll present ourselves later as a perfect church without spot or wrinkle. The way I told the men too, the way Christ expects um, the word of God to build the church, that's a man's word is supposed to build his wife. So it's just a pictorial thing. Yes. 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 And in your wife's presentation, she says something very interesting. Okay, I think a sister asked a question over there about um, the husband wanting to move to Nigeria, and the wife said no. And then in your presentation, you said something about uh, the husband dealing with the wife with understanding because she is a weaker vessel. So I'm trying to relate that to your answer. And in your wife's presentation, she's saying something about obedience, which is very interesting. She said, for example, here, when we go in and you get to a traffic light and you see the red light, you have to obey. You don't stand in front of the traffic light and then start to debate, shall I obey or shall I not obey, okay? So you have to obey. So what I'm trying, in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is, if men are wired in a certain way, and the Bible commands that the men should treat the wife as a weaker vessel with understanding. So how do we address the question that, that sister raised? Am I clear? Okay. Mm, no. <laughs> okay, the answer you gave is because Men are wired in a certain way. Yeah, for example, uh, you, you gave an example mm -hmm. again that. Um, yes, I think if I get you right, the, 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 the question, it was when that lady asked the question about, okay. Shall we go to Nigeria? Um, 
in fact, she was she was asking on behalf of somebody, I think, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the yes. husband is saying, let's go no. to Nigeria. And we have to go to Nigeria. No. And she's just saying a, a blunt no. no. Then um, Pastor Kinsley was talking about how men are wired differently. Exactly. It's not so much about the, uh, that she shouldn't say no. It's how she's saying no. Her understanding of how the man is wired to know how to entreat him to ultimately still get to her no. Rather than this, because he's about control, he doesn't want to be controlled. If he feels that he's been pushed on control, yes. he's going to react. So that's that's a scenario. Yes. What's the question? Yes, and then uh, Pastor said because men are wired in a certain way. Yeah, when they observe that their wife wants to control them, they have to put their foot feet down. That even if hell's going to let loose, let it let loose. So how do we reconcile that? dealing with women yeah. understanding with yes we've answered it when i say men are wired in that way i'm not saying they have to be that way i'm not saying that's the right way for him to be but those are things you're going to encounter when you marry a man all right so i'm not saying it's right for him to want to do something crazy no 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 i'm just helping the woman get perspective when you have perspective of what's going on in a man's mind you know how to relate with him i also told the men on the other side too to do things right so i'm not really saying the man has to make irrational decisions or has to insist on, on his own way. No, 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 not at all. They have to both, you know, shift ground for each other. But when you understand, you know, there are things I even told the men that, you know, I can't say here now. The men understand. We can't say it here. But when you understand how a woman's mind works, you, you're able to relate with what she's doing as opposed to seeing it as she's just being troublesome. You understand that, you know, her mind is just, you know... So, you, I, so I taught them things like that too on the other side. You know, Ephesians 5... The part where he spoke about love and respect, he wasn't, he said, wives, submit to your husband. He wasn't telling men. It's just that because it's in the Bible, men can see it. So the men now capitalize on it. They say you submit. It wasn't, you're not there when they have that discussion. It's supposed to be a breakout session like the way we did today. That's what that vision fight is supposed to be. So God telling women that, look, the best way to control this man is by submitting to him. Once he sees you're not fighting with him, he will likely do what you're saying. Then he goes on the other hand and tells the husband, say, husbands, what your wife is looking for is attention. Just like the guy that said, I'm watching match. It's love she wants. Call her, put her in the middle of your hold her, hug her from behind. Say, hey, what are you saying? And she's watching the match. In fact, there are things that we did to her. She won't even remember what she was saying. And you'll be watching the match. <laughs> what she's looking for is love. So it's just that unfortunately, or fortunately, we both can see what God told the other people in their breakout session. So you see that men are shouting submit and women are shouting love. It's not really none of your business, really. Awesome. I think we should just clap for that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, that was deep. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much, sir. Yeah. So it's the same way parents always capitalize on honor your father and your mother. That's not all that is there. The second line says, parents, you to don't provoke your children. But you see, the men, the parents had the one that told the children. They usually need to, to chance the children. So that's what happens. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Um, so we're going to move on very quickly. We'll take one of the um, anonymous questions from the floor. Yeah. Brother Ola. Yeah, let me just quickly wrap up the whole Ephesians 5 one because someone asked a really important question about Ephesians 5. They said, most married women obey and submit to their pastors mm -hmm. more than their husband. Yes. Is that right or wrong? All right. I, I want to assume that the person that asked the question wasn't in our class because we talked about it in our class, I mean. Guys, we talked about it in our class. The reason is simple. It's not right in quotes. But you need to understand that nobody's trying to hurt you. If a woman is not obeying you, in quotes, and obeying her pastor, she has more faith in the purpose and the heart of what the pastor is saying than in yours. And I said that, that women like spiritual security. It's part of what they like. So I try, what I'm trying to men, that you need to also be more, more spiritually minded. She just needs to feel safety 
in what you are saying. It's not that she's trying to disrespect you. She needs to trust you and trust that the, from where that instruction or idea is coming from is a good place. Just like the example we gave, I want to move to Nigeria. It's clear that man did not even consult. They even discussed with the wife that she will move to Nigeria. So, of course, she will say no. You didn't factor her in, in that decision from the beginning. If you carry her along and paint a picture that, hey, I think we should raise our kids at home. This country, I don't like this. This way you carry her along. She's the one that will champion that, let's move to Nigeria. She will take it over from you and you will do it. So, men need to understand that. She's not against you. Um, you need to build yourself spiritually. Even if you can't be a spiritual giant today, can you start building spiritual intimacy? Pray with her. If you don't have to pray, hold her hand. Say, honey, you pray, but you hold her hand. The women need spiritual intimacy. It's a need for them. It's always a need for them. So that's why they follow pastors. They respect pastors. They don't respect their husbands. All you need to do is start being the pastor of the home because you are the pastor of that house. You are the pastor of that house. All right? So I coach men all the time. I send my wife voice notes. Sometimes when I go for prayer walks and God just inspires a word from, from my heart, I just do voice notes and send to her. Say, this is what God is saying. Or I speak in tongues over her. I pray, prophesy over her. When you minister to your wife's spiritual need like that, she will start also respecting you. Women want to admire you, but these are the things they admire in men. Being spiritual. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I'll move on to a question here we've got. person says, I, am mar I married a nice man. Everyone wanted me to marry. I have never loved him because of his niceness. I felt bad not to say yes to him. For the past four years, I have been miserable. Will God judge me or forgive me if I divorce? This is affecting my mental health. I really need help and clarity. Okay. That's a good question. I will still allow Pastor to talk on it. But let me just say this. As human beings, you are adaptable. One of the big, big, biggest lies we tell ourselves is we use words like, I can't. It's not true. Especially when it comes to affection. The Bible is clear. It says, set your affections on things above. So in other words, you can set your affection. All right? What's happening to you right now is that mentally, you have an image of who you are looking for. Now, this man might not be that exact image. I get it. But if you start yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, God can actually plant love for this man in your heart. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. If you yield yourself, trust me, it's a supernatural thing, you can actually begin to like this person. But you must first yield yourself. And that's where I see your challenge is. It's not in this man. It's not in anything. It's in the fact that you, are, you want to hold on to the image you have. And if you hold on, if you keep holding on that image, you definitely will divorce him and go and look for that image. But if you can kill that idol, break that idol you have, and submit yourself to God, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit will start to help you. You will start to like him. And if the man is well coached too, to start doing the things you like, you are adaptable as a human being. You know, if they had told us that they are going to uh, shut down the world for two years, none of us would agree. But when COVID came, they, and they didn't tell us it's two years, it's one week. Two weeks, one month. They shut down the world for one year, two years. And we all survived. You know, it's just a matter of perspective. If I tell you I'm going to give you white rice with no stew, no meat, you say, ah, can I? But if there's a war, and that's the only food you have seen in two months, it will look sweeter than any jello fries you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with the rice. It's just your perspective at the time. So that, that man is white rice. <laughs> you can turn into jello if you change your perspective. Pastor B, you can, you can say something about I, I, I think you've done a good <laughs> yes. job. I want to try to cover as much ground in the, in the last five minutes. Yes, yes. And we will try. Let's try this. This is a question from a guy. Um, and it says, 
What is a husband's best approach to a wife who has well-founded trust issues with a husband? So there's been issues, trust issues. So this woman is in a place where she doesn't trust her husband anymore. So what would be your um, advice on her best approach? Rebuilding trust takes time and a lot of truth. That's how we say it takes time and truth. So he just has to give it time. He has to keep telling the truth. He has to sometimes be a bit too obvious, you know, without her asking, offer information, be accountable. Time, truth, and transparency. Yes, time, a lot, of a lot of time, a lot of truth, and a lot of transparency. So he has to be accountable, even when sometimes it seems unnecessary. If he's somewhere, um, just for no reason, just do a video call and say, oh, I'm with Pastor Tammy, and, and just, Pastor Tammy, please say hello, that kind of thing. And with time, it will start, but he has to give it time. This, these things didn't start in one day. He has done things over time that have caused her to begin to feel this way. You know, so he's damaged something, so he has to rebuild it, and it will take time. Yes, and, and if he's not the one that caused the trust issues, maybe she has had it from childhood, then he has to be willing to work with her. All right, you make sure you're not causing more trust issues and also help her get help or find ways that you can help give her that comfort. But it's something you're going to have to live with. All right, yeah. If it's not you that caused it. But if you're a parolee and you're not that caused it, please. you may not understand. We, we spoke about this. In, in, yeah. yeah, thank you very much, sir and, and Ma. <laughs> so I'll throw it back to the floor now. Brother Lat, do you have any questions? We have one. Actually, do you know what? Before we read that, can we take another person on the floor who has their hand up very quickly? So we have 30 seconds for one person, and then we'll try another person. Thank you very much. I actually have two questions, which I'll just run through. You have 30 seconds. Very quickly. Um, Pastor Mildred, upstairs, when you were speaking to the men, you said... In the first eight years, while you were waiting for a child, sometimes you just wake up in the morning and cry. And as a man, you know, seeing your wife in that kind of situation where she's crying, the man, you can't really do much about it, but you normally want to comfort her. But my, my own understanding is sometimes women just want to cry. But men, we see crying as a sign of weakness. So, Pastor Abby, Pastor Mildred, what would you like the man to do in that kind of situation? So... That's the first question. And then the second one is just down to the extrovert, introvert question. So two different personalities in marriage. One is extroverted because that's how they grew up with a lot of people around the house. One is introverted because it was just a case of, you know, go to school, come back, stay in your room. And then there's now a bit of conflict in marriage where, Pastor Kingsley, earlier on you said, you know, men will like freedom. You want to leave your father's house so you can throw a party in your house. You know, but then the other person who is introverted is like, I don't, my house is meant to be my own personal space. Please don't start inviting people without telling me. So how do you find, strike a balance in that kind of situation? Thank you. Okay, interesting. The second question is us. <laughs> so Pasuke is very extroverted, likes people. I think my home should be my space. So I kind of struggled with it too. As a pastor's wife, people don't come to my house, all those kind of things. I didn't like it. But he wanted people around. So we had to come to a middle point. You can negotiate. Both of you can negotiate, have a conversation. I don't really believe in compromise because one person will always leave feeling cheated. So both of you should negotiate. Where can we meet? I want party. You don't want party. So how are we going to make this work? Because I want party. So can I have party? But will you be aware before we have the party? And then if I want to have seven parties, 
Can we meet in the middle? Three, four. What works for both of you? So it's, you must still have a conversation and decide. Um, but the goal is to keep each other happy. You know, I think selfishness is what makes marriages really break. So I know having people around makes him happy. So I try as much as possible to, to have people around. He knows not having people makes me happy. So we also have times when we don't. So both of you should just look out for each other. You find that in, at the end of the day, you'll find something that works. Um, the crying bits. I don't think your wife expects you to cry with her. I don't think that's what she wants. In fact, probably be annoying for her. Um, <laughs> I think that at those times when I was going through that, what I needed um, was someone who would sometimes just stand, come, as I'm there, just a quick hug um, and let me cry, you know, and sometimes just hold my hand and pray with me or remind me that we're going to get through this. Tears are not really going to change it, but we're going to get through this. But you have to first let me, you know, um, let me express myself. You know, I don't want, I also don't want, at the same time, I also didn't want to stay in that place. So I still needed his energy to get me out of it sometimes and tell me, you know, I know that you need to cry, but this crying is really not going to do anything. We need to stand in faith. So you have to just strike a balance. Allow her cry sometimes, but don't, don't allow her stay there because she needs to find her way out and, you know, win this battle or whatever. So that's for me. I think that that initial, at least a hug, so she knows she's not alone. Once she knows she's not alone, then you can take it from there. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Um, I think we'll take one more question from the floor. Then, Brother Olai, you read the question you have, one more, and then ask the last question. I need to ask. I need to answer that question. Oh, yeah, sorry. Please. I am a very big proponent of why. I think the first thing is to find out why your wife is crying. Um, when I'm very upset and I can't find words and I don't want to even say what is going on in my head, I can cry. Like when my husband really hurts me, I can cry. And at that point, um, the, the response that Pastor K gave would not work. Crying is not going to solve anything. What do you mean by that? I'm upset. <laughs> and I'm just releasing emotions, you know. So you need to find out why she's crying, you know. And then you would be able, if you know the why, then you will be able to um, know the appropriate reaction that you would give to her. So it's important for you to know why she's crying. Please help us. Help us. Help us. Sorry. <laughs> this why thing you know sometimes I, I speak from guys the, 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 for guys here your wife is crying and you honestly honestly you do not know why and she doesn't even want you to ask her why are you crying if that in itself is an offense I think it depends on how you ask me why are you crying I, if you tell me that you, I can see that you are upset what can I do to help you then I can tell you you are the cause of my upset. Yes, by that I'm letting you know that this is the reason. Sometimes you ask me, why are you crying? I see, why are you being weak? Why are you showing this emotion? Why are you crying? You don't need to cry. I, I, that's not what I need at that point. And I'm cry, crying is part of the emotions that God gave us. So I'm not doing anything outside of what normal emotion that God has given us. So, don't ask me why am I crying. So, you need, to, you need to find out why I'm crying, and you need to know how to ask me why I'm crying. Don't just come and say, why are you crying? As if I'm crying as a baby. 
I don't cry all the time. If, you, if, if everything is okay, would I just wake up and start crying? Definitely not. So, try to No, this is, this is for your benefit. It has nothing to do with us. <laughs> and for me, like I said, when I'm really hurt and I'm upset, I cry. And I've learned over the years to tell my husband, don't let my crying um, deceive you. I'll still speak and I'll still say what I want to say. So don't come and say, I'm hugging me. You are, no, I'm crying because I'm hurt. But you need to hear me to know the reason why I'm hurt. So at that point, I don't want you to hug me. I need you to listen to me. Forget about the tears. It's okay. It's my coping me mechanism. I'm crying because I'm hurt. And I can't express that hurt to someone else or in another way. You know, I won't break, I won't break the, uh, your car. I won't become violent. So allow me in my space to express that hurt the way I want to. And that's what I would like to say. Find out why she's crying. And don't just assume you know. So find out why. And that's the only thing I'll add to what Pastor Mitreda said. Thank you. Find out why and ask the why nicely. You know, that's the way it is. Um, yes, bro. Someone's got a question. You have to put your hand up. My question is about um, infertility. Um, this fertility, infertility for six to seven years. Okay, what do you do in a situation where you know it's your husband with a fertility problem, and but the whole family, his family, are giving you such a hard time? But you and your husband had an agreement from the beginning not to discuss your personal issues with family or people outside like you. Take it on. So now what do you do in a situation like this? Okay. Um, so I, first of all, I don't, I don't like the fact that um, you had an agreement. So my issue is did you, when you had this agreement, was your husband also aware that he had a medical problem? Um, if he was aware that he had a medical problem, then I think that that's unfair. Because that, that agreement was obviously to his advantage. Um, now, the second thing is, if he didn't know, he was not aware, and I'm, and I'm believing that that's what happened, that he wasn't aware. Um, the, the point is, he still needs to protect you. It's still his job to protect you. So it's still his job to bring it up with the family that don't, don't why you assume, even if he doesn't say, I'm the problem, say, why do you just assume she's the one? We've done tests and there's nothing wrong. He still has to shield you because his family can be giving you a hard time and he sits there looking like he's the saint. And then, you know, I think that that's very, yeah. very selfish. So you need to have that conversation because dealing with infertility is hard enough. Then for us to put other pressures and then for there to be lies, somewhere in your heart, there's some bitterness right now. Maybe it hasn't grown as much as it should, but there's a seed of bitterness. Anybody would be. Like I'm going through this and you're sitting there looking like the saint and I can't expose you, but you're giving me a hard time. And you're not doing anything to stop that. If this thing doesn't change in the next couple of years, I, I guarantee it's going to be a big problem in the marriage. So you guys need to address it now. Um, then, whether it's the man or the woman that has a problem, both of you still need to stand in faith. None shall be barren in the land, whether male or female. You still have to take your babies by faith. So whether the problem is coming from you or your husband, God doesn't care. He's going to give you a child. 
and God can be trusted to keep his word. So you just hold on to your professional faith. Thank you very much, Mark. Do you know, we have to, we have to stop now. I, I mean, my heart is breaking as I'm saying this because I'm looking at some questions here and it's really paining me that we can't ask those questions. But as I said earlier, Pastor Tammy and Pastor Abi, please, we're begging you, let's bring back Pastor M and Pastor K for a whole weekend. I mean, not just like we go home and come back. We want to stay with them in a nice place and we can have these conversations because you'd all agree with me, these questions are very deep, you know, and you can't get them all answered in one go. I can see a hand up. I'm so sorry, I'm not gonna be able to take that question. One question I want to ask is, and this is for Pastor Abby, Pastor Temi, Pastor K, and Pastor M. And I believe for every single person here, please bring out your pen if you haven't already, and a paper to write whatever it is that they say, because this is probably something you take home with you and you make use of in your relationships. And the question is, what is the best advice, relationship advice you've ever been given that you use up until today and it's been helping in your marriage? Yeah, I've already said my own today now. <laughs> Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Whatever Jesus tells you, just do it. Thank you. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. So that's one from Pastor M. Okay, um, not depending on instincts, but depending on knowledge. Don't depend on instincts, depend on knowledge. That's powerful, you know, find power, find knowledge. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, for me, it's to make Jesus your best friend. It doesn't matter who you marry um, and how great that relationship is. The foundation for all, for every relationship, whether it is with your children, your in-laws, your spouse, is, is determined by the depth of your relationship with Jesus. So make Jesus your best friend. Continue to make Jesus your best friend, even when you transit from being single to being married. Thank you. Pastor Terry. Um, love God. Love God. Love God. If you love him, if you live in that love relationship with God, he molds you in all of your other relationships. Marry somebody that loves God. Let your, your, your spouse be married to somebody that loves God. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so very much, pastors. It has been fantastic. You know, this time comes so quickly. We really, really do appreciate you. Thank you again. Uh, I mean, everyone in the room, thank you for being part of this session. Do you know, as we always say, send your questions if you've ever attended any of our relationship um, answers. So we call it relationship answers. You would know that some of these things have been dealt with before. And Pastor Abby, I always call her as she drops it as it is. She doesn't quote our words. So you have questions that you want to ask, you can reach out to Pastor Abby or Pastor Temi. And if Pastor M and Pastor K wouldn't mind, I'm sure you can reach out to them. Thank you all so very much, Pastor Temi. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, 
visit our website on hotr.org.uk.